You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So it's another late one. Um, it's been happening a little more lately, but uh, I really just wanted to get up early and get to work on that mock draft video because that takes a lot of time, and I want to get that up as soon as possible. So since I have the draft on the mind, that's kind of what we're going to do today. Uh, a couple different little thoughts and exercises, I guess. I've changed my mind, I think, four times as far as what I want to talk about today. There was... Um, you know, I was going to continue on with the series and then I thought, well, let's talk free agency. And then I thought I got a question from somebody or a suggestion. And then I started working on that project and it was like, this is taking too long. And there's like a billion different ways I can go with this. Do I want to do this or this or a little bit of both? And I thought, this is a project, set it aside. And then I was like, well, let's do a mock draft. So I did a mock draft and I thought, eh, it's just too, mock drafts, you know, seven round mock drafts are too flimsy. I mean, it's just, it's too easy. I can do it in 10 minutes. And it's like, I don't know, this guy, yeah, maybe this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and then I could talk about it. It's just, maybe I'll do it at some point, but again, need more time. Too boring as it was. So then I thought, because there were some interesting names, and, and I'm assuming you guys are hearing the exact same names over and over and over again. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to look at some of the prospects that are projected higher than a lot of people are hearing by some people and kind of talk about those. So everybody knows, what, four, five, six names for who the Packers might take at 12. Let's expand that out and talk about it. And then let's look at 30 and expand that out and talk about some of those prospects, some different strategies, some different thoughts on positions. So that's what I settled on. So first of all, we got a little bit of news and notes, some kind of a wild day today. So first off, uh, draft-related, Kyler Murray has decided he's going to be playing football. He's 100% committed, so he says anyways. I suppose there's still that small chance that uh, he gets in there or he gets drafted late and uh, starts playing. I was like, nah, never mind, I'm going to go play baseball. But as it stands, Kyler Murray is the guy. Um, If you were to ask me right now, do I think he goes before 12? My answer is probably not, and um, I would say it'll be in and around 30. I know he's he's seen by a lot of people as the top guy, the most athletic guy. I just think there's a lot of fears. First of all, you got to eliminate all the teams that aren't going to take a quarterback in the first round. Then you have to eliminate the people who are concerned about his size. Then you have to eliminate the people who are concerned about him and his baseball stuff. Then you have to eliminate the people who are maybe a little concerned about the way he carried himself through the interviews and everything else. And it's just kind of who's left. Not to mention, there's a bunch of quarterbacks coming out next year. Possibly the year after that. So who is going to take Kyler Murray before 12? I tend to look at it and say I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhat of a Lamar Jackson situation where you have somebody maybe early on that's tempted to take Kyler Murray, but it's just too early. He falls, and they're like, you know what, I'm trading back up into the first, hopefully not at pick 30, but maybe to nab Mr. Kyler Murray. But either way, I would say there's a 
reasonably good chance, just based on his his ridiculous upside and how much people really, really like him, I would say there's a very good chance that he goes before 30 at least. We'll see how the hype train goes with him. I know it was real hot for a little while, and then it just completely shut down. But now that he's 100% in, we'll see what happens. Um, one team that is allegedly out is uh, already the Giants. The Giants apparently are... Um, you know, they've, they've got certain measurables that they stick by and he doesn't fit the criteria and it's just kind of, that's what it is. The Giants allegedly have not started a single quarterback below six feet tall since Gary Wood went 0-6 back in 1966 and apparently their, uh, philosophy hasn't changed all that much. So again, how many teams are going to be taking him right off the board? But on the other hand, he could go number one. Never know. Just takes one team to really, really like him. Um, Another bit of news here, Mr. Kareem Hunt, who was involved in an off-the-field uh, situation. Well, Mr. John Dorsey, the guy who drafted Kareem Hunt, is uh, bringing him back. He's going to the Browns, which I think is just ridiculous. Granted, he drafted him because he really, really likes him, and now he sees him just sitting out there. Nobody wants to take him, and he's just chomping at the bit like, I knew he was good. He's very good. He's going to come here and be great. But what in the world are you going to do with these three guys? They legitimately now have three very talented running backs. One is more of a receiving back, but still. I guess in a sense it's kind of nothing news. The only real silver lining here is, one, he's going to have a minimal impact because of how extremely talented uh, their running back group is, especially their primary running back, Chubb. But if nothing else, it took a tiny chunk out of their $80 million uh, cap space, and it's not going to do much to help their team, I don't think. I suppose we'll wait and see. Which, by the way... Can I just say, I don't know why people seem to not like John Dorsey. I know he's kind of goofy and he dresses weird. Dude is an incredible drafter. He went to Kansas City, drafted a ton of studs. Right, They traded up to get their quarterback, a guy that a lot of people weren't sure about. Just completely builds that team from the ground up, all due respect to their coach. But then he leaves and the new GM comes in and they have a terrible year. The Browns have been trying to be successful since forever. John Dorsey comes over and the first year he goes there, he gets another quarterback who's awesome. Drafts a running back, I believe in the second round. He was, I believe, graded by Pro Football Focus as the number one running back in the NFL. In and around there. Dude is really good. Just thought I'd throw that out there. And then finally, some uh, pretty unfortunate news. Apparently, the the Athletic and Michael Cohen uh, reported that Cole Madison is not playing because of what happened to uh, Tyler Holinsky, the quarterback who committed suicide. It was kind of just hanging out there. I didn't really want to speculate, but you kind of knew that it was something like that. Obviously, that had been speculated because of what had happened to him. Maybe it had something to do with that. But either way, the source seems to imply that the guy's not coming back. And I had already said, even if he does, whatever issues were going on are likely going to somewhat linger. There's the fact that, you know, depending on the situation, which in my mind it was something similar to this, how much is he actually trying to stay in shape? He's got to deal with his mental health, probably not his physical so much. And then again, uh, as I've said before, it wasn't expected for him to really come in and start day one. He was more of a, a multi-year project. So it's it's just, I don't, I don't think he's coming back. And if he does, I don't know that we can expect too much. But uh, anyways, hopefully he can uh, work through that and get back on his feet. The only other two bits of, uh, not really news, but uh, things that are racing through my head. One is I'm I'm thinking about bailing on my AAF team. I was about to jump ship and go over to Orlando because that was my initial gut reaction. But apparently there was a report that the way that they structure the AAF is that AAF teams have sort of claim over certain 
players? In other words, if a person decides they want to go to the AAF, a team has a right to a certain group or region of college teams. If, however, that college team is not represented, like you come from uh, Madison Technical College football squad, then the second layer of it would be, what was the last NFL team you played for? Beyond that, I don't know. It's a free-for-all. It's just chaos. But anyways, uh, Salt Lake, Salt Lake Stallions, the team that I said I wanted to be a part of, um, that team is associated with the Packers. And the reason I picked them to begin with instead of Orlando is because they had a ton of Packers players on that team. And I was like, well, they got the most Packers players. Let's roll with that. And then I was going to bail on them, and then they made it official. Like, no, no, this is going to be a thing for a while. In other words, there's probably going to be more Packers on that team pretty much as long as this league is going on because, you know, just the way it's structured. In other words, if, uh, you know, Capri Bibbs or whatever left and wanted to go to the AAF or was cut and went to the AAF, he would probably end up there. So guys that we maybe kind of like and get attached to that don't quite cut it and end up going to the AAF, there's a good chance they're going to the Salt Lake Stallions. Obviously not all of them. There's other Packers players on other teams. But I don't know. Kind of torn, but I guess I'll stick with it for now. The other thing I am toying with, the idea that I'm toying with, is trying to find something to do with the draft. And so I'm looking for a little bit of feedback. Essentially what my draft YouTube videos are is audio with video overlays. The audio is done. I just have to work on the video portion. Well, because what I'm doing is audio, it kind of makes sense that it's it would be solid for podcast format. It would be a lot less work for me, and it would be kind of whatever. So I thought, first of all, should I throw this up on Packers, uh, you know, Packernet podcast as sort of like a bonus episode? Or maybe I just do another podcast that is just, you know, YouTube videos slash podcast, same thing, just one is video and one is a podcast. So I guess I'm looking for some feedback from the folks. Um, I know some people would probably say, no, I don't want, you know, I don't want this to become a draft podcast. You know, if you're going to do draft talk, at least keep it Packers-centric. I don't want to hear, like, first-round mock drafts and stuff. So would or wouldn't you want those kinds of bonus episodes on here? And then secondarily, if there was a draft podcast, would you be interested in listening to it? It's sort of a random poll, I guess. And it's going to be also a very disorganized poll. Just shoot me a yes or no. And be honest, because there's going to be a lot of work, and if you're like, yeah, dude, I totally support you, and then you wouldn't listen, you're not helping me. You're, you're, you're kicking me right in the jaw. So please don't be afraid to say, no, that sounds dumb. I would never do that, because that, you know, then I maybe just wouldn't do it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so let's do a little bit of a draft talk. That only took 10 minutes. Oh my goodness, I better have a lot to talk about here. I'll be all right. If you notice, and I did mention this on nflbigboard.com, I added two new columns. There's the low and the high. I've already explained that it's probably backwards, but I don't care. I cannot put the word high on the low numbers and low on the high numbers. I just can't do that. Even though they're higher on the board, not going to happen. just breaks my brain and it drives me nuts. But you can sort these tables. So essentially you can see the highest rank that these guys have on these so-and-so 40-ish big boards. One of the neat things about being able to sort this is if you go to the lowest number and you sort it by that, you can see all the different players that have, for example, number one overall ranks. You can see Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, and Josh Allen somewhere along the line have number one overall grades. What that also means is I can look at which players have a rank by someone, one of these boards, at 12 or higher. As it turns out, there are 41 prospects that someone somewhere, at least on the boards that I'm using, has as a number 12 or higher draft prospect. So you can kind of see why I said I wanted to do this, because again, it gets kind of boring. Everybody mentions the same two or three names. There's a lot of names. So what I want to start with, and then we'll just kind of work our way back and see how far we get, because we're not going to get through all 40-whatever prospects. But what I want to start with are prospects that have a top five grade by someone or another and kind of look at them as options from 12 subtracting out the names we already know whether because we hear it all the time or because they're just out of our reach so starting right at the top nick bosa quinnon williams probably ain't gonna happen there was a time at which i would have said josh allen was in play but right now and actually um nfl.com just added their rankings Finally, I've been waiting and checking every single week, probably twice a week I've been checking. They finally have their rankings up. Super excited. I added them to the board. It's not officially up on NFLBigBoard.com. But they have, I think, Josh Allen number two? Number one or two. Nick Bosa, I think, is like number six. So it's kind of crazy, but kind of awesome when that stuff happens. But anyways, I'm assuming Josh Allen is out of the conversation. Number four, Ed Oliver. Now, this is somebody... A lot of people have been talking about it and you know, possibly going to the Packers. He's been sliding quite a bit um, as far as the big board. But again, these things can change. He's still considered a top five guy by some people. I think the biggest issue, though, is Packer fans want him because he's seen as a pass rusher. Two problems. One, looking at our defense, the defensive line is the strength of the defense. Our best player on the defense is Kenny Clark. Our second best player on the defense is arguably, probably, Mike Daniels. If we keep Muhammad Wilkerson, he's pretty solid too. Montrevious Adams took a pretty big step. Dean Lowry's a pretty good football player. We have more good players on the defensive line than just about anywhere else. Besides that, as has been pointed out by a lot of people, Ed Oliver is more of a 4-3 defensive tackle than a 3-4 defensive tackle because as a defensive tackle on a 3-4, even though everybody ideally can get after the quarterback, you have to at least have the ability to handle two gaps, and the idea is Ed Oliver just can't do it. He's just too small to be able to handle that responsibility. He needs to be just a get-up-the-field guy. So I don't think he's a great fit. Cleland Furl, I'm not a huge fan. Um, the highest grade he has is number two overall. 
I'm not going to talk too much because he's a guy that a lot of people have talked about. A lot of production at Clemson, really good defensive line. Some question about his upside. You know, is he super flexible? Is he that good of a pass rusher? I don't know. Don't care. Not talking about him. Jonah Williams has been mentioned. Jeffrey Simmons I've already talked about. Uh, you still have the problem with defensive tackle, but I think it makes actually maybe a little bit more sense than that Oliver. He does provide pass rush, but he absolutely can be a uh, two-gap kind of guy. I would probably prefer him over to Ed Oliver, even though he maybe doesn't have the upside. We know about Deontay. We know about Burns. We know about Devin White. We've talked a little bit about cornerback. we got Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams. They're currently 9-10 and 10 on my big board. I think it's important to at least ask the question, if a corner is available and it's the top guy, are you going to take him? And I'm kind of struggling with it, to be honest. The only reason I have a real problem with it is because we have so much youth. It's not talent. You look at the Browns. The Browns have a very similar situation to the Packers. They have one guy that's really good and a bunch of guys that are not very good. That's exactly the Packers. Most people in a lot of their mocks are saying they need to get a second cornerback. The Packers need a second cornerback too. It's, it's essentially the exact same situation at wide receiver. They have to get more wide receivers than just one. But you've got a bunch of young guys, and there's the potential that the young guys will step up. The only reason corner is is more contentious than wide receiver is because we've invested higher draft capital, and because we've, even beyond the guys that we have, there's Demarius Randall, there's Quentin Rollins, we've got a bunch of other guys at defensive back that we've been investing in. The question is, do you care? Do you get to the point where you say, enough is enough, I'm not doing it anymore, just make it work? Or if Byron Murphy is by far the best guy on your board, and you think he can be better than Jair Alexander... Do you just grab them? Because two lockdown cornerbacks is just an absolute awesome thing to have. I definitely lean toward quarter, cornerback, but it's it's sort of an imperfect world kind of situation. But everything about the draft is imperfect. You cannot get every single hole. You cannot get everything exactly perfectly. It's why I don't like most mock drafts that other people do. I like the way I do it, even though most people don't like my mock drafts. Well, I don't know that, but... Most people look at it as, you know, first round, first pick, we got to get an edge rusher. Then we got to get a tackle. Then we have to get a tight end. And they, they predetermine position and then find a player that fits that. That's such a ridiculous way to do it. That's not how it works. That's not how it's going to work. You need players, you go get players, that's it. But there is Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams that are options. The one guy that I want to talk about, he's the only other guy that has a top five grade, somebody that nobody is talking about, at least that I've heard, I've never discussed it. It's Mr. D.K. Metcalf. I don't know if you saw what I tweeted out earlier or retweeted, but it is a picture of D.K. Metcalf, and he's at the gym. He's got no shirt on, whatever. He looks like a defensive tackle. D.K. Metcalf is a monster, and I went back and I watched because when I did my my uh, mock draft video with Mark Jarvis, he talked up D.K. Metcalf as, as early as, as four. And on this board, I have him, uh, the, the highest grade is five. And it's not that he necessarily said he was a good value at four, but you start getting into that conversation where at four or five, you've got somebody that maybe really needs a wide receiver. And his thought was, eh, I wouldn't mind DK Metcalf here. In his mind, and he, he allows, you know, difference of opinion, whatever. But in his mind, DK Metcalf is far and away the best guy. Now, I went back and watched a little bit of, of, of what he's done. I want to watch even more of it. The biggest problem is uh, Tayamu, their quarterback, is just not all that great. Beyond that, they have two other really good wide receivers, so it's hard to kind of isolate them. But the one thing that stands out, aside from just being a physical presence, is the fact that he is he's nearly unblockable off the line. He almost reminds me of Devontae, where he's going to do a little move, he's going to use his hands, and boom, he's open. And it was more frustrating that the quarterback wasn't seeing it and throwing it to him than anything. 
So, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy that has an insane amount of upside. Now, there's, there's obviously questions about maybe he won't even be that good, but there, there's really no limit to his upside. When you look at a guy even like Julio Jones, just that big physical presence. I mean, he's, he's big. He's six four, 225 pounds. Uh, Lance Zerline with NFL.com, I mentioned they had their rankings out. I think they have him ranked in the top 10 somewhere. But his NFL comp is Josh Gordon. I don't think it's outlandish even in the slightest and I, I'm going to watch a little bit more, but if DK Metcalf, in my mind, is a top 10 prospect, I don't have any problem whatsoever saying we should get him. For the same reason that if, if we think Byron Murphy can be and might be better than Jair, that's an awesome situation. If, if we can get a guy like DK Metcalf, and we believe that he is going to be potentially and likely a number one wide receiver, as in on the Packers, as in better than Devontae Adams, it's not really even a question for me. Especially as questions start to, I mean, you start talking about Cleveland Farrell, and it's like, meh. I mean, yeah, it's a bigger need, and he's got some really good traits, and he's really strong, and he can probably set an edge really well. I mean, Nick Perry just keeps coming to mind, which is why I'm a little iffy on him. But he's got great stats, and I'm sure he'll get some sack. But, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy that fills a need that has limited upside compared to a guy that could be one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Now, again, the floor is pretty low. Who knows? But at six foot four, two twenty-five, unblockable. He's got speed. I mean, he's beating guys deep. I mean, we'll see what he does at the combine. But I think DK Metcalf should be in the conversation at twelve. He is potentially a top ten wide receiver, a top fifteen, nearly lock, according to a lot of different people. I think he's going to continue to move up the board. And the cool thing is, at the end of the day, all I want on draft day is twelve prospects that I love. Bosa is going to be in there. Quinnen Williams is going to be in there. Josh Allen is going to be in there. I have not watched Hawkinson yet. I, I do know for a fact that everybody was talking up Fant, and I tried to watch a lot of film on Fant, and I didn't exactly see it. And the biggest, frust- most frustrating thing is every time I watched video on Fant, they kept throwing to Hawkinson, and he kept getting all the <laughs> all the great catches. So I, I don't know if I'm going to like him at 12. My suspicion is not quite, but maybe. But even so, if, if Hawkinson has that ability to be... I don't want to say Gronk because we're talking about the best of the best, but, you know, whatever, a, a a top five tight end or we're talking about a top five wide receiver, just give me the wide receiver, man. I mean, it, it, it's, it's relatively close, I suppose, especially when you factor in the blocking and Hawkinson supposedly is a fantastic blocker. But I, I, I want 12 guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited about DK. i got to watch him a little bit more and, and listen a little bit closer to what people have to say, and obviously the combine is going to be huge. But I, I, I think he should be in the conversation at 12 a potentially elite wide receiver to pair with Aaron Rodgers, to pair with Devontae Adams, giving us that ability to utilize, you know, Equinemius as a number three, essentially in a, in a position where nobody even cares that he's on the field. Nobody's thinking about it. I mean, my goodness, we got Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, who knows who else we have end up adding. You know, we, we get Irv Smith in the second or whatever. And including free agents, you know, if we get a guy like Tate in the slot or something, just crazy. I mean, who knows? But, I mean, you, you factor in that ability and, and put, you know, you can start running three wide, four wide, five wide receiver set or, or tight end sets, depending on who's going out there. Jimmy Graham, if you want to give him a shot. But, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. And it's not because I think he's a lock, but I, I think he needs to start being in the conversation as an option at pick 12. Moving on beyond that, Christian Wilkins, um, I'm really not a big fan of just about anybody from Clemson. Even the guys that I like, I don't like as much as their hype. 
Um, Christian Wilkins, I'm sure, is a very good football player, probably better than I give him credit for, but I'm a little disappointed. Same with Farrell. I think uh, Austin Bryant is, is, I don't want him on the team. I just don't think he's very good at all. I don't even really want him in the second round. Haven't watched his film in a long time, but I remember watching him just thinking, this is not good. But overall, not a huge fan. It's it's an option. If they really, really want that third defensive tackle, maybe, but I'm not feeling it. TJ Hawkinson, as I said, um, don't want to talk about him because his name is always there. A name that uh, also should be in the conversation, he is as high as six, and he's flying up the boards as Mr. Jawan Taylor tackle out of Florida. Now, we know about a bunch of other tackles. Uh, there is talk about... Um, Jonah Williams at 12, uh, offensive tackle with the ability to play guard. The idea being, you know, ideally maybe you keep Brian Balaga at tackle and you get Deontay, or excuse me, Jonah Williams in at guard. But Jawan Taylor is also flying up. I know a lot of people would be upset if the pick 12, we end up going offensive lineman. But if Jawan T- Taylor is, and, and by all accounts, he's a very, very, very good pass blocker. That's what the NFL wants. That's what Packers, the Packers want. As much as we're like, okay, we've got to emphasize the run a little more, nobody cares. If this guy can, can be a lockdown pass blocker on that right side. I mean, and keep in mind, some of the pass rushers we have in the NFC North, Khalil Mack twice a year going up against that right tackle, that's a serious proposition. We cannot take that lightly. If, even if we keep Brian Balaga this year, next year, Khalil Mack is just going to absolutely obliterate the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers for the for the entirety of Aaron Rodgers' career. So if you're taking notes on guys to watch or keep an eye out for, Jawan Taylor is there. He's currently number 25 on my board, but he is graded as high as 6th. Um, another player that is in the top 10 that is just flying up the boards is running back Joshua Jacobs, uh, running back out of Alabama. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere because he wasn't even the number one back at Alabama. But as people started watching the tape, he's kind of separating himself. He is the one true versatile running back. It was kind of one of those things where there really isn't a first-round guy. He was an early second. Then it's like, well, if there's a first-round guy, it's probably him. Then he's mid-first. Now we're starting to see potential top 15, top 10, whatever. I don't think he cracks top five. But he's also as high as sixth. I don't really think this is in play. But it's another question we have to ask if, if, if he is... And for the record, um, if you click on, if you're following along, NFLBigBoard.com, and you click on the scouting report for Josh Jacobs, we have um, Mark Jarvis's report on the website, and he gives the low, medium, and high comps. Low comp, Trey Mason, his medium comp, which in my mind is sort of like what you would expect him to be, is Devontae Freeman. That's a pretty good player. At the high end, Alvin Kamara. And the general consensus is if there is an Alvin Kamara in this class, it's going to be Josh Jacobs. So again, I I don't think, I think, to be honest, I think corner is going to go before running back. I think uh, wide receiver is going to go before running back just because corner and wide receiver are more important, even if we're talking about number twos. Um, I also think we have, you know, because we have Aaron Jones, uh, the, it just, I, I don't, I don't really think so. But again, it is in the conversation at 12 as far as, who is a good value at 12, we got to consider it. Um, somebody else that's thought typically as maybe somebody the Packers could get at 30, but Yadni Kajust out of West Virginia is another tackle. He's another one that is graded by some as a top 10 prospect. So there are several tackles, and th- these aren't the only ones. Um, you know, Cody Ford, 
is another guy that that uh, Mark Jarvis talked about in the video quite a lot. Now he's he's a guard that he believes can play tackle. A lot of people think he can play tackle, so he's one of those kinds of guys. Obviously, if people think he's a guard, it's going to be hard to take him too early. But at 12, if he's an elite guard that can potentially play right tackle, definitely an option. Greg Little, another one. So for a class that initially didn't have hardly any tackles in it with the exception of the guy out of Alabama, all of a sudden we're looking at Jawan Taylor, we're looking at Yadni Kajus, we're looking at Cody Ford, we're looking at Greg Little, and every single one of these guys is considered by some to be top 10 caliber. Uh, we know Ja'Kai Polite, he's graded as high as 7. DeAndre Baker, another corner. Somebody that I don't think is going to be in play at 12, but possibly, again, that's why we're talking about it, but Mac Wilson, linebacker out of Alabama. I really do like him, but similar to Josh Jacobs, I think we have some serviceable linebackers. I don't know that you need too much better than what we have. Not that I wouldn't take it, but at 12, and the the question of is Mac, how much better is Mac Wilson than, you know, Blake Martinez? Now, I, I love Mac Wilson as far as him being a physical, just violent football player, but typically the guys that I like for being physical and violent never pan out. And I don't mean that they're terrible, it's just every time I get excited about violent football players and thinking, well, at least they got that attitude, they, they never become these top-end guys, right? I, I liked uh, Devontae Mays because he was violent. I mean, Jamal Williams I kind of like for being a little bit violent, and that's about as good as it gets. A lot of linebackers I've liked for being violent, they've never panned out. So it's an option at 12, keep an open mind to it, but it's pretty unlikely, more than likely because he's a linebacker. Uh, not necessarily based on his uh, his talent. Noah Fant, obviously, Kyler Murray. Uh, Dalton Reisner, Risner, as I like to prefer to call him. But he's graded as high as 8, another guy that's in play. Again, typically people think maybe at 30, but as high as 12. He could potentially be in play. And it, just in general, as I'm going through this, again, lots of offensive tackles. The idea that maybe they get an offensive tackle at 12 should not be even... It, it shouldn't be controversial in the least. There are so many guys that, that have the potential to be 12. You have to assume at least one, maybe two of these guys is going to be a value at 12. So if it's not on your radar, get it on your radar. And as we're going through this, we're kind of getting into that territory where these guys could be 12, they could be 30. Right, so for example, another name, Trayvon Mullen, cornerback out of Clemson. He's as high as 8, but he's as low as 116. So it's a name that we should pay attention to. Right, if you if you go to NFLBigBoard.com, he's 50th, so you kind of look at it and go, okay, so what? Maybe second round? But he is he's very well liked by a lot of people. Six foot one, 190 pounds, so I mean, he's built like one at least. You know, because 5'11 is... is ridiculously short but you cross that six foot threshold and you're a giant but you know another Clemson guy long physical guy that could play press the way our defensive coordinator likes it again somewhat controversial at 12 but at 30 let's say we do get a pass rusher at 12 at 30 you think cornerback is out of line of course not and again always assume I'm talking about the best player available because that's what I always assume the Packers are going to do so if they get Trayvon Mullen, just because you're looking at it and going, oh, there's five guys we could have got that are better. No, there aren't. Not according to the Packers. And the, the exciting thing that I think people need to start realizing is take all that excitement you have for those players and realize that the Packers fully know that those guys are available. They think Mullen or whoever is better than that. Get excited about that. David Montgomery, another um, running back. 
Uh, looking at his comps, low end Jonathan Williams, mid round uh, Royce Freeman, and then uh, at at best David Montgomery. His comp is Jordan Howard, which would be a pretty solid football player, right? So again, I'm not taking a running back at 12. I don't think it's super likely the Packers do that. But for a guy that's as high as eight and as low as 91, David Montgomery could be an option anywhere from 12 to somewhere in the third round. Uh, Montez Sweat, we've talked quite a bit about. Uh, Hollywood Brown, I think we've talked about Hollywood Brown. I don't know how much he's talked about as an option at 12. And similar to DK Metcalf, he should be an option at 12. Very different, but also very similar in the in the sense that they're both traits guys. Meaning, on one hand, you got the big, physical, 6'4", 225 monster with with more than enough speed based on his size to just be an elite wide receiver. On the other hand, Marquise Brown, we're talking about potentially, you know, b- breaking the 40-time record. I, I don't think he's going to, but it, it's going to be in and around that kind of a time, supposedly. Definitively, definitely running in the four threes or better. Beyond that, with the ability to separate, the ability to be a good route runner, all this kind of stuff. Again, at 12, we're talking about a potentially elite wide receiver that can be a weapon to separate and, and help Aaron Rodgers in this offense. Uh, Nasir Adderley, we've heard quite a bit about. The one guy maybe we haven't heard quite as much about would be Darnell Savage, free safety out of Maryland. Now, he's completely across the board. Some people have him not even draftable. However, he is graded as high as 11, which is the same as Nasir Adderley. Now, not by the same people, obviously, but something to keep an eye on, possibly in the, in the late first round. Maybe, maybe at 12, we got to see. Probably not, but maybe. Both of these guys I have listed as free safeties based on what they played in college. 5'11", 191, obviously not as tall as you'd like, but I think a lot of the Packers safeties, what was it, last year? As in not 2018, but 2017, like everybody was 5'11". So the Packers aren't opposed to that. But um, a a very physical guy. Probably not going to be sideline to sideline like I would prefer. I think Nasir Adderley, that was another thing Mark Jarvis mentioned. Nasir Adderley has the potential to be a 4-3 guy. Not that that really matters. A lot of guys that are great sideline to sideline are not super speedy guys. I think a lot of that is reaction. But if you run a 4-3, it doesn't hurt getting to the sideline quicker. So as far as sideline to sideline, you're looking at a guy like Nasir Adderley. If you're looking for somebody that's going to be you know, a, a quality safety but isn't going to be missing a lot of tackles as a pretty violent guy, Darnell Savage might be a better option for you. Finally, we're getting to the guys that are graded as high as 12, one of which is Mr. Nikhil Harry, wide receiver out of Arizona State. Very similar traits to uh, Mr. DK Metcalf. Not quite as big, but you're talking six foot three, 216 pounds. Uh, thousand yard receiver two years in a row, uh, 13.9 yard average, eight touchdowns in 2017, uh, 14.9 yard average, nine touchdowns in 2018. Guy's got great hands. He's he's just he's a solid football player. Now, do I think he's actually going to go at 12? No, but if we don't get a wide receiver at 12, does that mean maybe he could be available and 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 a good value at 30? Absolutely, because again, he's valued by some as high as mid first. We're talking 12. So not impossible at 12, although unlikely, definitely a possibility at 30. Otherwise, we got Dexter Lawrence. Draymond Jones was, was considered as high as 12. Um, he actually is moving back up the board. He's, he's currently at 38 because he's, well, overall trajectory is definitely going down. But um, Draymond is also considered somewhat of a pass rushing guy. I think the question would be, can he handle 
being a 3-4 guy, taking on double teams, taking on two gap responsibilities. If he can, I think he could be a quality option because he does provide the pass rush situation. But again, defensive tackle, is even though half of the first round is going to be defensive tackles, is not super ideal. Um, Andre Dillard, another tackle, uh, considered by some as high as 12, as low as 148. So again, another guy that's all over the board. But uh, Andre Dillard, talented tackle. What is that, the fifth guy now that we've said tackle? Again, if, if, if the Packers get a tackle in either the, the number 12 or number 30 spot, do not be surprised. Uh, not a super powerful guy, but another really good pass blocker. An option, you know, depending on, you know, what the Packers think. And again, I know, no, that guy's not going at 12. Look at how things have changed so radically from, you know, January 1st till till up to the the Senior Bowl. And then look how things drastically changed after the Senior Bowl. And now think how things are going to drastically change from now up until the Combine. How much things are going to change after the Combine. Up until, you know, from the Combine to the draft. Things are going to change so ridiculously drastically. So, you know, when I say Nikhil Harry is maybe a possibility at 12 and everybody rolls their eyes, well, you know, we'll see. When I say Andre Dillard maybe could rise all the way up to being an option mid-first, late-first, possibly at 12, we'll see. Um, And then the final guy who is um, considered as high as 12 at this particular point in time is wide receiver out of Georgia, Riley Ridley. A little more of a normal guy, six foot two, two hundred pounds. Uh, he's he's had some issues off the field issues with pot and whatnot, but uh, I I think he's going to be more of just a well-rounded wide receiver, kind of a, a, a Devonte type guy. I don't mean in terms of his talent. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Devonte. I'm just talking about there's no super standout thing as far as his speed that I'm aware of. Maybe he is super fast. In fact, I'm pretty sure he is fast. Not whatever. You get what I'm saying, right? He's just going to be a solid contributor. In other words, I don't think he has the upside of a Hollywood Brown or a DK Metcalf, but he has the makings of a very good and talented wide receiver, which, for that reason, again, if, we, you know, if we're looking at 12, I think you're typically going to look for somebody that you believe is going to start right away and be a contributor. In other words, low floor, but I think you're also looking for a high ceiling. I don't know if Riley really brings that, um, but certainly some of the guys that we've talked about have. You talk about a guy like Nasir Adderley, you talk about a guy like Hawkinson, you talk about a guy like DK Metcalf, you know, Hollywood Brown, some of these offensive tackles, again, regardless, whoever you think it might be, Greg Little, Cody Ford, Ja'Kai Polite, or excuse me, um, Yadni Kajust, Juwan Taylor, any of these guys potentially have that ability to be these elite players. You got the cornerbacks. I don't know that I've heard anyone say that we're talking elite players, but if you think Byron Murphy, Greedy Williams... Uh, DeAndre Baker, if you think these guys are potential super high upside, super elite players, with have, which also have a low floor, in other words, they're probably very slim chance they come in and bust. These are not the kind of guys you're going to sit on them for a year and let's develop them. No, day one they're coming in, they're contributing, and their upside is through the roof. And those are the guys we should be getting. Jeffrey Simmons, if he falls to 12, yes, take him. I don't care if he's a defensive tackle. He's a freak. Take him. And of course, Josh Allen, Quinn, Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa, freaks. So... Anyways, I'm going to cut it there. I got uh, some stuffs to do. I think maybe we'll continue this tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure. This kind of went a little differently than I expected because, like I said, um, I was kind of wanting to look at just 12s, guys that are available, potentially, that we could talk about at 12, but I think we already covered quite a few that could be considered at 30, and there's probably going to be another 
what, 200 prospects that are going to have as high as 30. But we'll see how it goes. I'll take a look at it tomorrow, gather a few names, and see what it looks like. But otherwise, uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, bye bye.